listening to the Eccentric Section Podcast with your hosts Breezy Getem and Jody Bro. Yo, this your boy Breezy. This is the second interview we got for you this week to celebrate IWC's 20th anniversary. Make sure if you haven't already checked out the first one with Zach Nystrom, you do so before doing this one. Uh, this one we got IWC's owner, Justin Plummer. You'll hear a great conversation that actually went way beyond the interview. Maybe some deep cuts will come out at one point or another, but uh, yeah. I know at the time of the recording, though, tickets did say that they were sold out, but then additional tickets were released since the guidelines were eased a little bit. If tickets are still available, make sure you cop one, and if they are sold out, hopefully you're one of the ones that got tickets because it's going to be a great event. If not, make sure you cop the IWC Network for $9.99 a month. And if you already got that, then you already fucking know the deal. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this interview and uh, make sure you leave feedback and love on all the pages and whatnot. And uh, prediction pre-show coming Wednesday night or Thursday morning. There will be a surprise on there that you won't want to miss. So make sure you uh, be on the lookout for that too. All right. Hope you guys enjoy this interview. I love y'all. Oh, it's Saturday night. On this episode of the podcast, we have a man that provides a product for us that helps us all get away from uh, the shitty reality, especially in hard times like current the current pandemic. Uh, he's a co-owner of the Pittsburgh International Wrestling Cartel alongside his wonderful wife, Jenny. Welcome to the show, Justin Plummer. How are you doing, Justin? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm a huge fan. I've been catching up and listening to uh, all the podcasts you do ever since you won the podcast of the year for iwc i wanted to see what it was all about so excited to be here for sure we appreciate that that you listen and we appreciate you uh making that an award this year not just for us i'm sure i'm speaking on behalf of can crushers and dark match i know they were pretty humbled about the fact that the whole podcast game has stepped up now to where there's a whole award for it and it's being recognized so we all appreciate that oh yeah dude yeah that just kind of popped into my head as i was putting the because I, I go through and i try to do all the nominees and i vet them through us, you know, other people that I trust because people take these things seriously. It's like every year I say this is going to be the last year that we do the awards because it's it's brutal the amount of heat I take uh, for picking the wrong nominees or whatever. But I'm just like, you know, there was so many, you know, Dark Match was doing some really good stuff and Can Crushers and you guys. And I was like, oh, this could be fun. Let's throw it out there and hopefully you guys can have more fun with it than some of our guys do. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, and, and real quick, shout out to Dark Match Podcast because they said, uh, you know, give us a little shout out because uh, we've been on the hiatus for a little bit. So we, I guess we got to kick them into gear kind of like they kicked us into gear during the whole pandemic thing. So you guys need to get back on the mic and start getting some good interviews yeah, no going because people not only love us and Can Crushers, but they love you guys too. So make sure you start putting out content. But uh, as far as us, this interview is long overdue, Justin. We've been excited to have you on for quite a while, and I know the fans have been – you've been one of the most requested people to have on, you and Jenny, and hopefully we have her on sometime. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad our schedule's basically lined up at this point. But I think we should just start kind of like from the beginning of everything. What, what was your first memory of like professional wrestling? Okay, this is a common question. It was uh, – I was probably like five or six – and the daycare I went to had those little rubber thumb wrestlers. I don't know. I'm 36. I don't know if you guys are too young. to. I, don't, I have no idea how old you are. So there was like these little rubber thumb wrestlers. You could. They were like, uh, you know, the Iron Sheik and Hogan with white trunks. 
and like you put your finger in the back of them and you just they're like you'd fight you used with to them. get them out of them like quarter machines right i don't know i have no idea i have no idea they were they were just at this daycare now they were like i know we're not on video but they were pretty big they're probably like four inches so i just thought these things were cool and then one day my parents were like hey justin those wrestlers you like they're on tv and this was probably like you know sometime in 1990 um so ultimate warrior was the champ hogan was big all that stuff and so i started watching it and i think the first event i ever saw was saturday night's main event where the opening match was it, it was it was prepped for the survivor series of 1990 which is funny because i'm, I'm going to steal that idea here coming up for one of our shows soon i accidentally posted that in the public group uh, so you might have seen that i had to delete that real quick um but it was the the ultimate warrior and the legion of doom versus all three members of the demolition and it was prepping for, you know, when Mr. Perfect and the Texas tornado were going to join them in survivor series. And so like, I just love the ultimate warrior. It's actually funny. I did not do this on purpose, but I do have my, my warrior cup too. Oh, and you know, that's the era I came up in, you know, and then a lot of it was VHS tapes and stuff back then. Cause you didn't know it was when it was on. So a lot of the VHSs that I would rent from like, you know, West coast video and whatever was around back then in Elizabeth, I grew up in Elizabeth. Um, was all Hogan like focused because Hogan was the man before they, you know, Warrior had his small window and it went back to Hogan. But I came in at the Warrior era. All of my first memories are with Ultimate Warrior and Hogan, uh, you know, and all those VHSs that I would rent was, you know, Hogan winning the Rumbles and it's a know, shame. Hogan it's Andre, Hogan, you know, all Hogan. It's a shame kids today aren't going to have like that tape trading. Experience. Dude, I was just I thinking like that, man. just going to the video store and seeing all those boxes with vibrant colors and all like like the cool promo posters basically on the cardboard boxes and just picking it out. And then half the time, I don't know if you guys ever had this problem, but there'd be times I'd go rent a video dude and it would be the wrong fucking tape in the box. Oh no, I've never had that happen. I would be tight, dude. I would be so tight. So I'm going to show you guys. You this we'll, we'll explain it to the people that are just listening. But I actually, because I'm the same way, man. I love going to the store, and you just look. You just judge by the cover. Mm, yeah. And it's like, this one here is one of my favorites. It was the, the WrestleMania 4. It was the 16 or 14-man tournament. The Hogan versus Andre. It was so big, it had two. Yeah, that's um, sick. I had to buy this thing, and then you, like, you open oh, hell it. Hell yeah. Oh, Ooh, hell sick. yeah. <laughs> so I ordered awesome. this on eBay for some ungodly amount of money at some point. <laughs> and then I got, like, the old, you know how they'd cut the cover off the VHS and put it in these plastic oh yeah, you know, yeah. Here, this oh, says man, video land here this forever. thing yeah i got the 92 rumble here that one's and like sucks. like yeah. a mark on one of my first night of superstars i had rick flair sign it for me Fuck it. i feel like i'm spending all this money i at least better get an autograph <laughs> yeah for sure but uh yeah like those tapes and stuff man like these things they hold a special place in my heart for my childhood so i do collect oh. a couple of the older ones growing up did you ever see yourself like training to the I know you're a promoter and an owner of a company, but did you ever envision yourself in the wrestling business, whether it be training to be a superstar yourself or a referee or anything? Not seriously. Uh, you know, as a kid, of course, you think that's what you're going to do. But mm. you know, as an adult, you know, or as I should say a young adult, you don't like I had no idea how big independent wrestling was. I had no idea, you know, that it was so easy to find a school and get properly trained. Even when I started working for IWC in 2011, I had no idea. Because guys would tease me, you know, I didn't look like this back then. Guys would tease me and they'd be like, wow, you should, you should train, you should train. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this stuff. But now that I see the process and everything, I'm like, well, if you're athletic and you have the, the heart, mm -hmm. you can do it. Like anybody can do it if they're willing to put the work in. Even if you're not in, the, in peak shape at first. If you're willing to put the work in, you could do it. So, no, I never thought I would be doing this. 
Um, but at the same time, I also, I didn't realize it was right. There was something right there, especially yeah. in Eliz my hometown in Elizabeth, you know, with IWC. What, what was your discovery to IWC? My family is friends with a family that owns Court Time. And I was probably like 25 or 26. And I was just getting bored with everything because I'd already found like a, the job I'm at. I feel like it's a career place where I'm going to be. You know, I had a house. I was married. We were planning a family. And it's kind of like, and I never had like crazy goals. I didn't, I don't, you know, being rich and famous wasn't a thing. Like I just wanted to have a family like my own family. I had, a, I had incredible parents. I have incredible parents. Uh, great, great extended family. And that's all I ever wanted was to kind of create my own in the same way and just create those memories. So I'm like, my goals are like right here. I'm doing it. I'm 26 years old. I need to like, I need to kind of figure something else out. And so Again, I had no idea that you could become a wrestler at a training school. I, I didn't know how you did it. Although I did know Shane Taylor. I went to college with Shane Taylor, so I, I should have known. Uh, I, my sister said, IWC just lost their ring announcer. I know you, you, know, you did some other stuff. That's something you should check out because you know you're looking for like, more to do. And little did I know, like IWC losing their ring announcer was Chuck Roberts buying the company off of Norm Connors or whatever happened there. <laughs> Chuck taking over, I'll say which happened a year prior to me getting this message. So like a dumbass, like called Chuck and I'm like, Hey, I heard you need a ring announcer. And he's like, yeah, we did a year ago. <laughs> but uh, long story short, one thing led to another. He saw that how interested I was and kind of just how I was willing to put in the work, but I back up the ring announcer, everyone, you know, and Shane Taylor was there for that event out in Clearfield. And he put in a really good word for me because we were, were fraternity brothers and he hooked me up. And so he helped me get in uh, good with the boys. Everyone, you know, there was a guy, Tyler Stone, who was really nice to me. And a guy, Logan Chulo, who's now Elias in WWE, who was really, like, inviting to me. Like, they, invite, they were very cool with me in the locker room as, like, a total outsider. And so, like, with those guys kind of putting in a good word for me and everything, the backup bring announcer turned into just doing odd jobs, filling in on commentary, this and that. And then Chuck wanted to get us back on TV, so he put me in charge of getting us back on TV. And basically all the research that went into that was, it is even back in 2011, like TV is basically dead. You don't want to pay that kind of money to get on television. So we decided to start a YouTube show, which you put me in charge of IWC aftershock. It was called, and I had no filming experience, no hosting experience, no video editing. So he kind of just gave me the ball and you'll watch if, if I think they're still out there on YouTube somewhere, but if you watch over like the 40 episodes over the six years or whatever it was, how shitty they were. <laughs> I mean, they never got good. <laughs> they're never good. I didn't <laughs> but they progress so much. It, it's insane. Like just cause I taught myself and that's kind of how it all snowballed into me eventually taking over just because he knew I was a guy that was whatever he was going to give me, I was going to do it. Whether I knew how to do it or not, I was going to put in the work and figure out how to do it. It's crazy how the wrestling business, especially IWC alone, like how things like that, how just being the ring announcer and now you're the fucking owner of the company. And then we've had guys like Hooven who have been ringside photography and now they're in a, hardcore matches <laughs> like well it's all about the work like what what do you want to do and how much you're willing to do you know this this isn't don't you don't do this for the money you don't do this for fame you do it because you love it so what are you willing to do and uh, the more you do that you know eventually people start noticing that you're busting your ass i mean i drove uh, i've been up till six in the morning driving people back and forth to airports i did whatever needed to be done i started on the same time as Dalton castle on iwc and so i was his like chauffeur which eventually turned into you like, were the boys before the boys were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it turned into like, you know, Hey, uh, pick up Dalton at noon and keep him busy until five. And it's like, well, what the hell? So we'd go to the aviary, we'd go out to dinner, we would do whatever. And it was just, 
you know, kind of stuff like that by doing all these odd jobs, you kind of work your way up. And that's not just for me. I mean, anybody that does it, it, it if you just show up and do the job that you're supposed expected to do, that's great if you do it well, but there's so much more that needs to be done. And there's a lot of guys, even guys that we have now that'll step up and go above and beyond setting stuff up before an event or, or, you know, editing videos together after. So it's all really important. And that's really how I kind of weaseled my way in. What was your experience like having an opportunity though, like presented to you to purchase the company and like, how was your family and Jenny and all those supportive of the decision or were they kind of like skeptical of it? I was more skeptical than Jen was because we were, uh, so all this happened not to get too like personal, but Chuck's mother passed away and man, he really powered through it, you know, uh, still be like running events through it and not taking any time off. And so it was a really quick to say it was less than a year. I mean, it was less than a year that he approached me about doing it. And he basically said, I, I have to focus on my family. So I'm either, we're either doing this and maybe this was just his negotiation tactic, <laughs> but he's like, we're either doing this or I'm shutting it down. And at the time we had, you know, I'm like, shit, we're, we're on such a roll, you know, with RJ City and Dalton. We had a lot of guys that were doing really well. And our, our uh, training class at the time with, was Britt Baker and Bulk. And I'm like, they'll be left hanging. And so I'm like thinking like, shit, I really should do this. And it would be awesome to do. But at the time, Jen was pregnant with our second child. And so there was like already a big life adjustment coming. And so it was real a real tough decision. And if, And I didn't realize at the time how much I didn't know about running a company let alone a wrestling promotion had i known how much i didn't know i definitely wouldn't have done it but because it took a long time to kind of figure it out throughout the years of you owning iwc is there like a favorite moment that sticks out and, and i'm not talking before because you've been part of the company for quite a while but i'm talking since you've took ownership of the company do you have a specific moment in your heart that that sticks out more than others yeah that's a tough one that's it, there's a lot of really really good ones i'm trying to think like most recently, like that first show back after the pandemic was super emotional for me because it was just so hard. You know, it was, it was the easy thing was to just stay shut down and not find, you know, because it was, there's so many safety requirements and just so much uncertainty, you know, to find so many different ways to change the way we were doing business and still be able to pay the bills and even get back to being able to pay the bills. Um, you know, when that, when that last match, I, I don't even remember what it was, but I remember like when the ref counted to three and the event was over at the drive-in, I like almost started to cry. Cause I'm like, Holy cow, we pulled it off. Like we totally reframed the way we did business to put on something safe that people could enjoy during these terrible times. And like we made it through and it all worked. So that was a big one. Opening the show at um, super indie 18, it was like we had so many people at court time. I I can't remember. It was the night that um, I think Wardlow ended up winning the tournament. We had so many people there that night. That was an emotional one. That was a big one. I remember like introducing the event and the crowd being so loud that my ears were actually crackling, like speakers crackle, crackle when you turn on so loud. I'm like, I can't believe we've built, we've built to this. Like it took so much work and I'm looking around and I'm like, I can't even hear myself. Uh, and that was a big one. And then having the Hardy Boys at Meadville the like six days after they returned at WrestleMania was a feel good moment for me because Vincent Mann actually had pulled them from our show like eight days prior to that. And it was, it was uh God, that's a whole nother story, I guess for another time, but it was so hard to get them back to be able to, to appear. And actually that credit goes to Jen because she called 
and left voicemails and emails with WWE corporate. And I laughed at her. I'm like, they're not going to read your emails. They don't give a shit. <laughs> and I'm calling like the rock and roll express, Billy Gunn to maybe if him and his son, would. I'm just trying, I'm like, we need to focus on a replacement and she's calling them. And next thing you know, you know, I guess we're telling the story now, so we'll finish it. But long story short, it's the end of the night. And I, you know, I'm talking to them, uh, Matt and Jeff. And I said, Hey, I want to thank you guys for, you know, going to Vince and everybody and, and asking to do this, you know, cause it was a charity event. I said, thank you for like stepping up and being able to come here. He goes, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, they got, they got a message from some lady that works for your organization. And you know, when they realized it was for charity, they let us come. And I'm like, Jen, <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. Great. Let's go. So those are some big ones that stand out just, just off the top of my head. I'm sure there's so many more that I'm forgetting because you touching on night of the superstars though throughout the years you've had a lot of big name stars is there any stick that stick out that uh had better personality than you thought they would like well i expected them all to be awesome because you know half these guys i grew up playing with their action figures right. so, yeah like when you get the then i mean they're all great they're they, all great. they don't meet your idols though so no, i didn't did, know if it was yeah. one of those like no yeah it's true it's like mm-hmm. man this kind of sucks they're all great though like not, there's no horror stories uh, ones that stand out for for being above and beyond um rhino and tommy dream are always my favorite that's why i bring them back so often they're so they're so cool ricky steamboat is probably one of my favorite because he is just so cool he's just like he'll have a beer with you he'll hang out he was super late to our one event we did a double shot one year and it was wheeling island casino and then meadville and ricky steamboat and Ryback were supposed to be on both and steamboat's flight got delayed and then he went to the wrong gate and missed his flight <laughs> his next flight he ended up getting there during the main event where was anyone at that or is that before i was time there that was before my time so steamboat runs out mid match of the main event to be the special ref he literally i remember calvin couture picked him up at the airport for me brought him all the way to meadville or, or sorry to wheeling they didn't know where they were going so i had to run out of the back door of the casino through this muddy ass field to the parking lot, grab Ricky. I'm like, follow me. We're sprinting through this field, mud splashing. <laughs> we go in through the back door. We go up to the curtain, and the match is going on. So he's peeking out the curtain. I'm like, okay, you see those guys? Those guys are the good guys. You see those guys? Those guys are the bad guys. Now you go out there, and you got to count to three. And, and then, boom, he ran out the curtain. And that was all the interaction I had with him, was running through that field, <laughs> five seconds of the curtain, and he ran- <laughs> So if you go back and watch it, it's a complete shit show when he does get out there. But it, it, it worked, and it was memorable. It wasn't part of his deal, but he met with fans in the ring and took pictures with his his uh, Hall of Fame ring, which one of our late fans and, and good friends, Trey Garcia, was like one of these great moments for him. So God rest his soul. It's awesome that he was able to do that. He actually offered a seminar to teach our students and, and younger guys for free. He was like, "Since how about this? Since I was late, you I'll do this seminar, and you could charge everybody whatever you want, and I'll just do it on the house. And then I was like, well, screw it. I'll, yeah, I want as many people to learn as possible. Yeah. So I did it for free too. So That's we had awesome. like 30 guys getting uh, lessons from one of the right. greatest of all time. Going back though, you said with the pandemic, you guys were the first, if, if I'm correct, you guys were the first wrestling promotion in PA to run a show. Yeah, we were last last to go and first back. With you guys being the first ones back, what all extra steps or like precautions did you guys have going into it to prep for the event? Well, there was a lot. I'm trying to remember. I mean, the, the restrictions are basically still the same as what they were back then. But it was still, things were changing almost every day. Like, if you remember our first return event, we had to cancel and push back a week because the rules kept changing, like the capacity limits, this, that. And that's why nobody came back. And everybody was kind of like waiting to see, like, well, who's going to go first? Let's let, you know, the pawns go first in chess. Let's let somebody go. Let's let them get their ass kicked, and then we'll go. 
And then I was like, you know what? I think we could do this right. Like uh, it's, it's the problem is it costs more money and you make less money to run with all these, with all these safety restrictions, whatever it takes for people to feel safe. If I don't think I can run a safe event, I will not do it because the last thing I want is to be pulled, you know, to be responsible yeah. for anything bad happening. But I, I'm looking at this and like, Jen, like, okay, here, you know, we have this capacity limit. We have the social distancing, the hand sanitizer, sanitizing the rings, a lot of stuff that the wrestlers have to do, temperature checking everybody, um, form questionnaires they got to fill out about what states they've been in, where, you know, what, how, who they've been in contact with, like all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is a pain in the ass, but like, I think we could do it. There's, there's really no reason not to. We, we go outside to where we can have more space and space people out. And that's kind of where the driving came in. And um, I think you could pull it off. I don't know why everybody else didn't at that time, other than just like, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked if you're the first one to go. But I actually think it helped us because I worked really close with Greg Serb and the State Athletic Commission to make sure. And they sent representatives to audit us that first show. And they're like, I was like, please go look at our locker room. Go look at everything we're doing because I'm, I'm taking pride in the amount of work we put in to meet all of the safety requirements. And so I, I you know, was trying to... Out every you know this is a requirement go look here you wanted us to you know we need to fill out these forms go look at this you want to make sure the locker room safely distanced the fans are safely distanced i walked them around and showed them everything because i was really proud of how we handled it all and then the best thing about it all is i think we built relationships with some places that even after the pandemic if there isn't after the pandemic that we'll hopefully keep keep doing like the the uh the drive-in is so cool you know it was born out of necessity we had to come up with some ridiculous crazy thing to meet the requirements but now i'm like well this is actually kind of awesome let's keep yeah, doing it that's so awesome. fun same thing with the ballpark we built such a good relationship with the managers of the ballpark and within all that too you guys are supporting small business to help them just like they're helping you guys too so that that was my yeah and that was like my initial pitch to those guys wild things wanted to do like a big night of superstars style event with us a couple years ago and i talked to them we went back and forth and it just I love to do it. The fan in me wants to do it, but it just didn't make business sense to do it. So I had, I, you know, I, I went against my heart and I declined and whatever. And we went, we went back to our own things. And then when this all happened, you know, um, big shout out to Bill Molnar and the guys at the Brownsville drive-in for helping us there. And everybody, I hope you support their, their, uh, their business and their movies and the diner that's next door. Um, but that, you know, like, well, we can't keep, you know, what else can we do besides the driving? So I reached out to the guys I knew at, at wild things, Tony in particular. And I said, listen, we're kind of in a jam. You're kind of in a jam. What can, what can we do? Like what deal would make sense to you to help us both out? And he called, we bullshitted for an hour or whatever, came up with something to try to try to get something to work. And then the, the, that it worked so well that they kept having us back and we'll be back again this year. And hopefully we'll be back multiple times this year. We'll see what we'll see what they think. Do you guys ever think that you would be able to run like a night event there as far as maybe having spotlights in the field and then having it shown on the on the drive in screen off of like the network at the drive in? We want to, but it, I'm just worried that uh, first of all, it couldn't be a Friday, Saturday or Sunday because they do movies those nights. OK, yes, so sure. I'd have to go on like a, a shitty night, like a Thursday. Uh, I mean, Thursday might work, but like I couldn't do a Monday or a Tuesday. No one will come. And then also I would have to find they don't have lights, so I would have to find some sort of yeah. lights. 
but I would, they told me if I could make that work and if I'm willing to do a weekday, they will project it up onto the screen yeah. as we yeah. go. Tease it and see how many people would want to go. Because I feel like that concept would be super cool because it would be something different too that not everybody's used to seeing. Yeah, and Thursdays aren't totally out of the... Uh, I mean, Thursdays wouldn't be horrible. It's just so hard. It's I, always, I don't even like doing Fridays. I feel like Fridays are even tough compared to Saturdays just based on my experience, but... But we'll see. I mean, who knows? I wouldn't say I would. I wouldn't say we'll never do it. Maybe if you know, there's some sort of. Uh, I'd have to probably get creative on the the, with you know, partner with somebody or or, or something like that. But just to yeah. offset the risk of maybe yeah. you know, six cars showing <laughs> up. Yeah, I got you. Throughout the years that you've been able to be more of a hands-on owner, because you've been in like various matches and certain situations where you've gotten yourself into street fights and you've had to defend your wife and you've jumped off of ladders and you've had celebrations in the middle of the ring and stuff. Did you have to train for those moments in general or just being around the boys? Did they just be able to kind of like give you advice on the fly? It's it, I only did it twice. Cause I, I, it's like I'm cringing as we talk about this. Like, <laughs> All I, I know be dude, is before you go any further though, like the street <laughs> fight with you and Jack Pollock, I personally like love that match. Just not only for the story of it, but like the fact of, you're not a full-time wrestler and like you went out there and to me personally, you killed it. So like, I thought I, I thought I was going to die that <laughs> night. Um, doing that, doing those two matches, more particularly the first one, because I knew what I was getting into the second time. It's incredible. The cardio that these guys have, especially oh, the I, heavier guys. Cause I'm like, I mean, so the first, my match with Pollock, I was training. I was still at the gym. Not like I was when I was, you know, in my twenties and stuff, but I was doing enough. And, you know, I was hitting the treadmill every day and I was down at the school uh, a couple times a week for a few months just because I was terrified to embarrass myself. And because uh, I, I did not want to, I wasn't like fully on board with doing this, but every, it just made so much sense to do. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> and plus July is always hard to draw fans because of vacations and stuff. So we always, oh, shit, okay. like, that's kind of the reason I hop in when I have to, because I know I could pull a ton of people from, you know, outside and uh, help compensate for all of our regular fans that are on vacation. But I was definitely like ready to go for Pollock less than 60 seconds in. I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was going <laughs> to fucking die. I'm, uh, it was so bad. I don't even remember half of it. I mean, I, I did uh, between being totally exhausted. I was already like seeing those little coloring. Oh yeah. yeah. In my eyes. And I was just getting hit in the head so hard. I'm like, oh, I don't even please. remember. I don't even remember half of it. It, and it's it when you guys went off the ring apron i was like oh shit he was ready uh, for this <laughs> i was just holding on for dear life the entire time i literally felt like i was on a roller coaster at kennywood and the seatbelt broke off <laughs> oh, i was holding on to anything i could praying for it to end like just end it just end it was brutal so anyway and that's when i was like actually practicing and then the the second one with jock and the regulators was more of a spontaneous thing and i knew there was no way i was getting myself in shape that quick <laughs> so i didn't even really try uh and i i figured i have four teammates or you know whatever so i don't really have to do too much and i was still fucking exhausted <laughs> <laughs> it was like i couldn't even get up you know where it, pollock's like let's go you know he's go up to the second rope and let's lay a tent on these guys and um i'm climbing up to punch jock in the face that fat bastard <laughs> and uh I could barely get my leg up to get to the second rope. By that. <laughs> wow. I'm just Man, like, I, I can't imagine, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, those guys, the amount of squats that they do, the amount of cardio that they do just to be able to do a standard six minute match is insane. 
And I never appreciated that until I tried to do it myself and just wanted to die both times. So aside from your in-ring competition though, and like I said, you guys with the training leading up to it, IWC offers their school, the Iron City Wrestling Academy. First off, how often do you guys offer tryouts? It used to be once a year, but it's been the school's been doing so well that we now do two classes per year. We offset them by six oh, months. Nice. So typically um, we start a new class. We do tryouts every six months, at least for the last two years we have. Okay. How big do the classes normally get? Yeah. Like, do you have a cap on them? We try to keep it under 10, which okay. is typically not a problem to do. I mean, classes in the past, like before, <laughs> one of the advices I got when I took over the company was close the training school and get a small storage facility that's cheap. But the training school has been on fire. Um, I brought in Chris LaRusso, and kind of just took a leap of faith, which is a, is a kind of a common theme with the way I do business. If I see somebody that I like, I don't wait around for years to like take a chance on them. I just go for it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it bites me in the ass. But LaRusso, I kind of was like, okay, this guy, he's an odd cat. He's a little bit different, but he's passionate and he's a hard worker. And that's kind of the people I want to surround myself with. He took over the school and it has just exploded and it has been so successful. So our class sizes went up from like three to four to probably six to six to eight or nine. So I when you, it. so when you have those eight or nine, by the time the, that the, the classes are over, right. you got to go for a year, right? Yeah. 12 months. Okay. So by the time, give, the or, 12 take, month, give or take. Yeah, yeah. So by the time the 12 month period hits, how many of those eight or nine end up quitting? Right. It used to be a, a lot, but these mm -hmm. kids are mostly making it now. Let's go, um, dude. That's awesome. I would say because Larusa is not pushing them enough, right, Chris? Well, some people will say that <laughs> 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 because uh, our old trainer was really tough. Oh, he, would, shit. he would kick your ass, and I'll leave the name out. But uh, Chris is a different kind of trainer. He's more of a mentor and less of a drill sergeant. Which, you know, and I don't want to take anything away from him because I go down there. I try to go down there once a month and he does whoop their ass. And he is oh, I believe it. Yeah. But he, he's not as he'll give you, you know, he'll give you chances. He'll give you more than one chance to do, you know, to do. He's a fair teacher. Do. Dude, yeah, we've only heard nothing but like really, really good things yeah. about him. You know what I mean? Well, so. Not only are kids graduating from the school, but they're all working on some level, you know, whether it's small promotions in West Virginia or with us or even places bigger than us. They're all anyone who graduate, not anyone, but I would say it's probably got to be 90 percent without looking at the numbers are all working somewhere. And then, you know, so that and that's this is a beginner's class. I mean, I, I want to say that that to make that clear, this is for people that haven't wrestled are in at least decent enough shape to be safe and intelligent enough to be able to be taught. And we could take you and make you good enough to at least wrestle on a, it's, it's a very worst, very small independent promotion, which for some people, that's all they want. Um, I am trying to push the focus onto the higher potential people, but I don't want to leave anybody behind because like, yeah. At this point, that school is like the most important thing to me and developing the kids that graduate from that school, just because when this is done, which someday I am going to, you know, I can't be doing this forever. I want to leave my mark, not my mark. I want to leave IWC's mark on the wrestling world with you, you know, you look here and oh, well, that person graduated from IWC or you look here, you look here. I want to kind of contribute as much as I can as much as we can uh, before I'm all done. So this school is like the most important thing to me and, and the kids that graduate from it. Some of the superstars that you have, not only coming out of your school, but coming out of the company, the guys like Wardlow and Elias, Britt Baker, DJ Z, all those kind of acts. Do you still keep in touch with them? Yeah. Um, 
I talked to Wardlow and Britt a good bit um, just because I'm more comfortable with them because I, I knew them since for since no they doubt. started. And when's this going to air? Because I think Britt's going to be uh, she may have by the time you're listening to this, she may have already been the first woman's main event on AEW. If not, if this happens to come out before then, make sure you watch. So that's a big one. And Warlow's doing big things. And I still talk to um, DJC, Joaquin Wild. But I just talked to I just talked to Logan today. He's doing well. Uh, DJZ just had his first daughter. And so he's just loving life right now. And so they all seem to be doing well. And that's great to see. They're all following their dreams and, and doing what they love to do. So have, have some of these acts when they go to like WWE and AEW and Ring of Honor and stuff, has that provide like a bridge now to have good relationships with those companies yourself? Like IWC having good relationships. Like I know you said uh, WWE wanted to pull the Hardy thing off of you and you got it all sorted out in that night of superstars last year before it got canceled. You had now, if you look, a majority of them are some way affiliated with uh, all elite wrestling. Has, has basically all those guys gone to them companies help? develop relationships is more what i'm asking some of them i mean that is a goal of mine i don't i don't book the way i do you know just for just for the matches alone i do try to develop relationships with places wwe they're very hard to crack and i don't think i'm ever mm. gonna get in you know any type of relationship there um even though that you know our guys that are there are very uh they don't, they've not forgotten where they've come from and they're really great people aew i'm trying as best as I can to develop some sort of relationship. And, uh, you know, even if it's just something small, something to keep their eyes on us. Right, man. Uh, I've tried to make it very clear with the right people there that I'm willing to do. That's my goal. I, I don't know what I'm good at. I know I'm good at busting my ass and whatever they need from me. If there's anything I can do to get more eyes on our guys and girls, I'll do that. And so, you know, I'm trying there and there's a couple things that might be in the works, but I don't think it's far enough along to even mention yet because, I just don't know, especially with the way things are. Ring of Honor was another one I was trying really hard with um, because I'm pretty, you know, uh, Jonathan Gresham has worked with us a lot. He's an awesome guy and probably one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. And so I was trying to start something there. And I, we actually had some plans uh, in the work. We actually started that when the main event wrestled for Future of Honor. And that was going to be a cross, uh, kind of a cross promotion thing where their feud was going to go back and forth between IWC and Future of Honor, which is, you know, at least a start. Um, Will Ferreira came to Reloaded. So like we started to build, try to like some sort of relationship. They're nothing formal with, you know, but just with guys that have hopefully pool, you know, but the, the, this whole, the whole lockdown really just put a very big obstacle in front of us from that standpoint, but I am trying, I'm doing my best to, I want to give our guys a proud of them. I really do believe in them and I want to give them as much attention as I can get them. Well, you just touched uh, on TME doing work with ring honor and stuff. The roster of guys, you guys and girls that you got right now, who old can you see going to the next level or currently is ready for the next level? Currently ready. Um, TME is probably there i don't see how they get any better at this point you know it's like they're they're and they look like they should be on tv yeah. mm -hmm. they're big they're strong they're cool bill collier's another one it's like i don't know you know what, I, I call what? him the unicorn of the indies because it's like if you know him you know what he's about mm -hmm. and if you don't what know is going on mm -hmm. i don't get it i don't get it um he is so good. He mm -hmm. is so smart and he is so good and he looks so good. I don't get it. Ray Lynn, I would say, is another one that's currently ready. A, another one where I just, I don't understand what else, you know, I try to think like, okay. Because I what I try to do is when I see these people that are ready, I try to think like, or who I think are ready, I try to think like, okay, well, what 
what do I think they aren't doing or they don't have that they need to get? Like that was a big thing with Wardlow. I feel like I put all this time and effort into Wardlow and then he made it and now I, I need someone else. Like yeah. I need another project. Um, so I want to do that with everybody though because we have so many good people. But I try to think like, all right, what do I think? And I try to, I'll ask questions too. And I'll try to like probably be annoying to these places, these other companies, but I, I try to figure out what do they want? What don't so, so-and-so have? So that I, can I book IWC in such a way that then can, can fill that void? And Raylan's another one where it's like, I don't understand. I'm not totally sure what she's lacking that she's not signed somewhere. So yeah. hopefully it's just a matter of time. She also is going to be down uh, at AEW Dark. I'm pretty sure that's the first show too now with the whole uh, promotion of Big Show being on the commentary. I'm pretty sure that's the show she's on. So that'll definitely bring a lot of eyes to her too. So if people that don't appreciate or know about her yet, they'll definitely be pretty familiar soon. Yeah, I'm excited for her. I'm really proud of her for getting that opportunity, and I'm sure this is just going to be the first of many for her. Well, let's talk about this Saturday, though. I mean, the 20th anniversary show. Uh, we've just seen the tickets sold out before we started this Zoom call, so, so congratulations for that first off. And if anybody that didn't get tickets yet, if you don't have the IWC network for $9.99, make sure you go get that. Uh, we'll have our pre-show prediction coming probably like Wednesday or Thursday of this week, but we'll take the the biases of being the owner of the company out of the equation and just kind of get your predictions on some of these things. If you don't mind, John McChesney is going to come back from a long hiatus and I'm sure he has a lot to say. Do you, do you got anything on the top of your mind that you think he might have to talk about? No, I'll be interested to hear. It's actually been one year. So um, I'll be interested to hear first of all, where the hell he's been. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see because Elijah Dean to me, I feel like has taken over leadership of that group. 100%. I hate, I hate to do this. Cause I always like make analogies to WWE, but I feel like he's the rock and McChesney's Farouk, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I legit have talked to John maybe like five times since he's been gone. He's very hard yeah. to get a hold of. And I thought he was coming back multiple times uh, throughout this whole thing. And he hasn't just for whatever, you know, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there's reasons. Hopefully mm -hmm. whatever it but, is. Uh, good. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be, uh, <laughs> I mean, it'll be just as unpredictable for me as it is for all of you. Cause I'm not sure. Uh, I just did, you know, yeah. is, can, can I, you promise me you'll be there. I'm going to put yeah. out a graphic if yeah. you're coming. Yes, I will be there. Okay. <laughs> and that's where we're at. So your guess is as good as mine. All right, cool. That moves us on to the eight-man all-star tag team match. You got Jock Sampson and Chris LaRusso, Chase Gold, and the Lebanon Dawn, who I'm sure uh, Tita Orich won't be too far behind, against our guy, R.C. Dupree, Alexander Apollo, uh, Jace Carr, and Johnny Patch. So who do you think is going to come out the winner of this? Oh, I got to go with uh, Team R.C., I think. I'm excited to see the debut, even though it's not a two-on-two -two tag match. But I'm excited to see what Johnny Patch and Jace Clark can yeah. do together. This is something that we came up with in January. They both reached out to me and said they've been training together. They have similar styles. Uh, we wanted to do it. We wanted to debut them last month. It didn't work out that right. way. And so, you know, this isn't the traditional debut, tag debut, but it is uh, going to be – they'll still be in there together. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to I'm see excited. what they can yeah, do. Exactly. exactly. I think they're going to do some pretty cool stuff. And No doubt. And, you know, I can never side with, with Jock and, and Chris. So. <laughs> So I got to go with the good guys on this one. <laughs> uh, that brings us to our fatal four-way match between Angelic, the Neon Ninja Facade, the birthday boy chest flexor, oh, yeah. and uh, young Tony, Anthony Young. Who do you got in this one? That's a tough one again. I got to go with Facade or Angelic, and it all depends on – so Angelic, 
obviously is is this alter ego of a guy that that we used to know as gory and uh, i'm interested to see what's going to happen when angelic gets in the ring with facade uh is there going to be a rivalry is 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 angelic gonna gonna align with facade like he did when he was gory yeah. uh i don't Looking know ain't easy so exactly and, and talk about one of the greatest tag teams in IWC's 20 years so it'll be interesting to see what happens there i think if uh you know they can coexist in some way it's got to be I, i'd have to expect one of those two that brings us to our women's match we got katie arquette versus zoe sky which first off i gotta thank you for booking this match because not that i have any gripe about any of the female talent that you got but you son of a bitch what's wrong with our women <laughs> but it's nice to see a different flavor you know what i'm saying now that we got a different match because we were getting so used to seeing it was always katie arquette versus raylan versus it was the same like it seemed like the same four women which don't get me wrong they're all great and right like you said pandemic a lot of people don't even want to wrestle in it so i'm sure your hands were tied by a lot so i'm, I'm curious to see what zoe sky pulls out against the queen this is actually not their first matchup. So early in Katie's career. And they wrestled Zoe, up in Mead, or, uh, Clearfield, Clearfield, didn't they? Yeah. And the match was phenomenal. And if you have the IWC Network, it's on there. I, I wish I could remember which Clearfield it was. I got uh, to see that. That was the first time I went to Clearfield. And uh, that was actually my girlfriend's first show. And I remember she was even impressed by a match. And she hadn't been a big wrestling it was fan a good, prior to that. It was a good match. And Katie was really still kind of new at the time. So I'm super excited to see what happens here. I mean, as prediction wise, Katie's on a roll. You got to go with Katie, but you never know. Um, I keep wanting to say, I'm, I know her as Angel Dust. She before she became Zoe Sky, but when she was, you know, as, when she wrestled as Angel Dust, she was actually one of the first women to wrestle in IWC's women division. Yeah, so really. when I took over in 2015, there was never a women's division in IWC. 15 years, never a women's division. Um, and it was something that at the time it was like cutting edge. And now it's, I feel like it's so old school, like it progressed so fast, but at the time it was like a women's division. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so Zoe sky was one of the first ones, you know, this is when Britt Baker had first come onto the scene and Ray Lynn, we had Ray Lynn and Zoe sky was coming in and Marty bell. So those were the four Britt Baker, Zoe sky, Ray Lynn, Marty bell. Those were like the four first women of IWC. There was Serafini um, who doesn't wrestle anymore. She was around, but she was like, almost before women's wrestling became mainstream. And Zoe Sky was actually in the first ever IWC women's tag team match. And we're talking like 15 or 16 years into the company at that time. And, you know, she broke that ground. That's and she awesome. is a phenomenal talent. She's another one where I feel like she's too good to not be, more, you know, to, to be on TV. Yeah. Uh, in ring, she's one of the best. So the it'll last, be, I'm excited. Last time I had, had heard about her, she was in Japan, I think, right right before all the pandemic stuff yeah that pandemic really screwed a lot of people's momentum up but she's good i mean i'm excited you'll see if you haven't if you if any of you guys haven't seen her wrestle before you're gonna love this match i promise good you. Stuff. that brings us to what i think is gonna be the sleeper match of the show and it's gonna steal everything we got spencer slade versus cool carter in a submission match how about this one yeah, I'm excited for this too. So on a night where we're focusing on a lot of the guys that built IWC over the last 20 years and bringing back a lot of vets, um, this is the only match that features, well, one of the only two matches, I guess I should say, that features two young guns, two up-and-comers. I think these guys, if they don't, if they don't get signed somewhere before they, uh, you know, too soon, <laughs> they'll, these guys are both the future of the IWC. These guys will carry this company 
Um, and they're probably both going places really fast. So, you know, I, I, it's hard to pick a winner in this one. Spencer's probably got more of the submission offense. So I guess I'd go, I'd, I'd lean slightly his way. Uh, he's also been in the game a little bit longer than Cole. So I got to give him the edge there too. Right. But either way, I, I, you know, I don't even care as long as it's a clean match. I just want a clean match because if they keep it clean, and don't you know? There's no interference, no foreign objects, all that bullshit. If they keep it clean, this one could steal the show. And I'm really excited. I hope they. I, I I'm nervous because I want them to do. I want this match to be a killer. Um, but I think it will be. I think they'll make me proud. Uh, no matter who wins, but I, I'm going to lean Spencer. At the end of the day, I don't care. I just want it to be a good clean match. John, I want you to mute your mic because I don't want you to get too excited. We're getting to the bulk nasty match now. <laughs> uh, we got Volk Nasty versus Dennis Gregory and uh, this one is basically new school versus old school while both of them have old school mentality so I'm definitely excited for this match uh, what, who do you got coming out of this one the, you're right Bulk is the youngest old guy on the roster he fits in much better with, with uh, the Vegases and the super hent ties and, and even the Dennis Gregory's and these guys are actually pretty close you know, so it's not like they're coming into this wanting to kill each other. But I do think Dennis Gregory has taken exception to what Bulk's trying to do. And, um, you know, and I talked to him on the phone, you know, obviously I called him before we made this match. And his big thing is he wants to win, but he doesn't, you know, he, he's, he doesn't hate Bulk. He doesn't, he doesn't want to end his career, but he, he doesn't want Bulk to jump his legacy. He doesn't want Bulk to skip ahead in the line. And I think, I think part of me thinks Dennis Gregory just kind of wants to know for himself, is this guy as good as he's going around telling everybody he is. So it'll be a good one. It's tough yeah. to bet against a five time IWC champ, which is by far the most in, in, in our 20 year history. But at the same time, Bulk's on such a freaking roll right now. We're big bulk guys. So we got this question. Say he does take out Dennis Gregory. How much longer until when you actually give him a title? <laughs> I knew. See, this is one of the questions I was going to say was off limits. This ain't <laughs> even coming from John either. This is coming from me. <laughs> I love bulk and bulk is great. Bulk is probably the most popular guy we have right now. I don't know if bulk is the, you know, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this, but I don't know if bulk's, face of material company. He's a good ass kicker. He's a guy that I want in there to beat people's asses. Is he a guy that I think is going to show up in a certain tie at a press conference or a podcast with the belt and not say something offensive? I worry about that. You don't want uh, him to pull McGregor on the network is what you're trying. I to. don't want exactly. Now. I mean, if this guy keeps winning, I can't deny. Eventually I can't deny him, but it is like, I, I don't want to say I'm biased because I'm not. I love, I love Bulk Nasty. I think he's a phenomenal athlete. I think he dominates. Justin, just... I think you got to give it to him because we already <laughs> had to have a match with Jack Pollock. I don't think you want one with Bulk. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bulk's just a little rough around the edges, so you got to watch. But I love him. I do. I won't take it away from him. And if he keeps winning, like if it keeps winning, eventually we got to do it. But no I mean, doubt. there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in line. You know, if you ask Jock, he never got his rematch, which I don't see what, where did this come from that like anytime a champion loses they get an automatic rematch i don't understand that it's boring like let's watch you know i, I let's watch jock wrestle again you know the, andrew palace for the 50th time I, I just don't get why we would do that and he lost but uh you know it, it, there's there's a lot you know it, there's just a lot of guys that are up there but we'll see how this all shakes out we'll see how it all shakes out never say never i love okay. bulk i okay. love bulk <laughs> let's move on to the super indie pitcher though we got this match also i think 
I can't even call it a sleeper because I feel like everybody goes into it in this show thinking, all right, this match is going to be match of the night. You got big time Bill Collier versus Josh Alexander. Oh, and yeah. Before you touch on that, I got to say, Josh Alexander, the first time I seen him, I wasn't impressed with him strictly for his look until the second the bell rung and his fucking match started, dude. What match was that? Do you remember? Not off the top of my head, but I do know that to this day, the 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 high stakes scramble match at the casino show remains to be my favorite match because of the participants in it. <laughs> listen, 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 because I love RC. I'm a big RC mark. I'm a big bulk nasty mark. I'm a big Atticus mark. You already seen the tattoo. But if we're talking about wrestling, though, Josh Alexander and Andrew Palace remains to be my favorite IWC match. If we're talking wrestling. Every time you've brought Josh Alexander in, he's proven me time and time again of don't judge a book by its cover. And I'm glad that we're getting to see him again at the, the anniversary show. Well, I mean, his body's transformed over the years too. Um, because he kind of looks like a killer now. I wish you could remember that first match. I'd love to know just because I, you know, this is input I don't typically get with like, yeah. you, you know, you go to an indie show, you want guys that look, I'll like look it up and I'll, I'll shoot ass. you the message. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, man, he is, he is one of the best. I mean, he's been around forever now. He came in to Super Indy 16, I think. He won that, and he was he was like a big-time underdog there. But uh, he's also the only guy you know, to beat Wardlow for the Super Indy Championship, and he did it inside of a cage, and he did it by beating him to the point that he couldn't continue. So, yeah, Wardlow didn't give up or get pinned, but he was beaten bad enough that the ref stopped the match. Which That goes to happened. show you how good that year was for matches, just for Josh Alexander, too, because the two best IWC matches that year was that cage match and then the Palace match. There's like a similar there's a th- similar theme between match of the year candidates every year when we do those awards and it's matches with Jonathan Gresham or matches with Josh Alexander and it seems to be like they're always in the mix um whether they win or not they're always in the mix but yeah he has he's had some he's had some incredible matches and I wanted to do this one so bad because I knew you know how how, how brutal his match with Wardlow was and our, and Collier's arguably you know bigger and better than even wardlow was um i don't you know i don't know that's debatable but it's pretty damn close either way and uh it'll be interesting to see if collier's challenge to all of north america is short-lived because i never thought when collier you know i said you know lend will go back there get collier's thoughts and then we'll take it from there and so he throws out this i'm going to take on anyone from across the continent or whatever and i'm like well shit man you know we only can have like 150 or 200 things so i can't pay for these guys so i didn't know when this match would happen i thought this match was going to happen way down the line because i could see josh alexander being the the kryptonite to call your superman just like he was to wardlow but um, unfortunately, or fortunately for us on Saturday, this match is happening right now. So yeah. uh, I could see Collier, I could see Collier losing that match. But again, at the same time, he's on fire right now, mm-hmm. too. and he's just a freak of nature. He reminds me of almost like a Mike Awesome, a giant, powerful dude that can fly at the same time. Yeah. So it's going to be good. I have no idea what to expect. I, I have a feeling it's going to be one of the, uh, it's going to be a long match. I have a feeling it's going to come down to the last. I could see these guys. I could see this match taking twelve to fifteen minutes or longer. And I could see the match being decided in the last six, 30 to 60 seconds. I completely agree with that. Uh, that moves us on to Zach Nystrom versus uh, another legend that had the belt at one point. I wasn't too familiar with him. Actually, not to pull behind the curtain. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter because this interview will be coming out second. 
Uh, we, we just had Zach Nystrom on earlier today, and he kind of enlightened us on his opponent a little more, uh, Ricky Reyes. Uh, who do you think comes out as this? I mean, you got uh, Zach Nystrom and Don both have been on fire, almost arguably for just a year straight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you know, and, and I'll admit I don't know much about Ricky Reyes either. He, he was IWC champion uh, one time. And he's been somebody that I've been talking to for probably like three or four years now, trying to find the right time to bring him in. And I felt like this was finally the time to do it. We have a great opponent for him in Zach Nystrom, who's been on fire and who's technically sound and it'll be good challenge. So whether Nystrom wins or loses, I think it's going to be good experience for him. I think he's going to be better because of it. And hopefully he gets some more attention from it, you know, because whether you agree with team big leagues tactics or not, I do root for my guys to, to all get to the next level. Um, if I had to pick, uh, I am probably leaning Ricky Reyes on this one, just because yeah, I'm not even leaning Ricky Reyes. I think I'm, sh- I think I'm solidly in Ricky Reyes's camp just because he's an MLW now and he's having singles matches all the time with high quality opponents. Nystrom is really good. He is really good. He's probably one of the best in ring, um, ICWA grads we have, if not the best, but he's been doing tags. And he has not been, you know, his cardio may not be up to speed. We talked about cardio earlier. He won't be as bad as me, but it may not be up to speed. So I'm going to go with Ricky Reyes for this one. Yeah, we didn't ask him about his cardio, but I know that that dude is in the gym consistently. I know he did our show. He just got done. He was like, yeah, I'm about to, you know, go hit some more sets, you know, like right right, (laughs) as soon as we were done. So, you know, I don't I may not like these guys, but they are colorful. So I'm sending them down to the you jag off podcast on Saturday at noon. To, to record for that i'm sending all of team big league and um i'm writing the bios for them and i'm like okay uh here is the sure shot the the big fundamental the and i'm like holy shit these guys have like 15 nicknames <laughs> and so i'm done writing the bio and i look like a complete asshole i'm like they're not gonna understand any of this like who's who what's what like i sent them a picture with who's everybody i'm like this is uh, the Super Indy Stallion, Young Tony, Anthony Young, the high flyer of the group. And I'm like, Did you give him the 90 yard stair picture that Dime just shared the other day, too? <laughs> I I losing charisma. I said, he'll be, he, I said, he's the quiet one of the group. His actions are spoken in the ring. Yeah. So that, and that's true. But uh, yeah, that, uh, I trust him enough to do the Wild Things promotion, too, last year. That, that brings us to our main event then we're also touching on uh team big league right now so we got team team big leagues uh and money shot we got elijah dean versus andrew palace for the title and you just talked about not wanting bulk to be the face of your company but i mean elijah dean is quite the colorful guy too yeah so that's a good point that's a really if, good if, point if man <laughs> dime gets this belt you might be in trouble there too well, he's gonna clean up. He's gonna have to clean up his his social media act real quick. That's for sure. Um, I it, Elijah Dean's really good, but I would be very surprised if he pulls this one out. Um, I think it'll be closer than people expect it to be. The only way I see Elijah Dean somehow pulling this one off is if Team Bigley gets involved. Like I, I have no idea what to expect with John McChesney being back. And so McChesney knows how to win. You, you can say whatever you want about him. He's been gone for a year, this or that. You know, he, you can say anything you want about John McChesney. The guy always finds a way for him and his people to win. That would be the only thing I would worry about. But again, it's another one of those where I, I, w- I think these are both two really talented athletes. I want to see a clean match. I would like to not have any of the bullshit um, 
that they, you typically see from them. I think if you see a clean match without interference, it's going to be much closer than you would expect, but I still expect Palace to come out on top. We always end the podcast with uh, Wrestling Mount Rushmore. And uh, with you, I want to do two of them. I want to do your personal Wrestling Mount Rushmore and then maybe like a, an IWC one of guys that have been working under you. Not necessarily, oh, the, not, not the whole time of IWC's legacy. I want to go guys that have worked for you specifically. This is a tough one. Hold on. I heard you ask this to somebody else too, so I should have prepared. Uh, all right. Hold on. Give me one second here. I'm writing it down. All right. Uh... Don't look around for answers. Who was on the cover of this rumble? <laughs> all right. So this one, like, I hate to give this answer because I have no, like, emotional connection to Bruno, but I just know he was a big fucking deal. So if we're going with, like, the biggest. No, we'll go off a of personal. No, like, I want to. Uh, oh, personal. Yeah, personal. Well, let me give you the biggest, like, who I think has been the most important to wrestling. Bruno, okay, right, Bruno okay. Hogan, Austin Cena. Okay. Those guys have carried their generations. Oh, I know The Rock's not on there, but, like, Rock was in Austin's era. Um, uh, yeah, Austin that. and Vince alone saved mm. the company. And Cena's like mm-hmm. a Tom Brady to me, where I, like, never really appreciated him when he was around. But, like, now that he's gone or close you, but- to the end, it's like uh, he – he was around a long ass time. Like he, he carried that company. All right. So that, so, so personal, my personal, like my favorites for, yes, it changed, you know, because a lot of these guys give their political views now and then I don't want to like them anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, Hogan was my favorite, you know, as a kid, Christ, I'm totally not ready for this. This is terrible. It's got to be like Hogan, Foley, Bret Hart. Randy Savage, I guess, are my four like personal favorites, but that's tough. Uh, Hogan's so far above everybody else when it comes to like personal favorites in wrestling. Did it break your heart when he went heel and joined the NWO? I didn't watch WCW ever in my okay. life. As a matter of fact, here's what my mindset was. When all the guys I liked went to WCW, instead of just watching WCW instead, I just quit watching wrestling altogether. For, like a two-year period. <laughs> I don't. I think back and I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like, I could have just changed the channel. I didn't. Because WWE was too real. <laughs> it was. They had like Waylon Mercy and the Goon, and I'm like, fuck. I could have just changed the channel and watched the guys I liked, but it was like, nope. They're 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 out of WWF. They're dead, and I never watched it, so I didn't see any of the heels stuff. I came back like after Shawn Michaels was already out of DX, so that's when I came back. I missed a lot of that stuff. I, I I had mentioned the IWC Mount Rushmore, but uh, I don't want anybody' feelings to get hurt right now. So we'll save that for the next podcast. How about that? Yeah, that's a tough one too. Because I th- I feel like we'll, now that you already know it's coming, we'll save that for the next time. Well, you could really <laughs> sit back and think about it. All right. Okay. People cool. would be pissed too. All right. You know Wardlow's on there. I got to put Wardlow on there though. We'll yeah, do we'll, Wardlow. That's your Wardlow is your IWC Hogan. It's just four faces of yeah, Wardlow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not true. There's a lot of great guys. A lot of great guys. And then we also end our podcast with the 10 random questions. Now, these questions are not specifically to you. They just come at absolute random, but they make for good conversation. So we'll go with a, what's a word you often misspell? Guard. Guardrail. (laughs) You and the A are flipped from what you think they would be. Okay. Uh, the second question is: You spell who, it. You think that's a bad spell? Guard U A R D. Is it U A? G A U R D. No, it's G U A. Right? 
G-U-A-R-D. Yeah, you would think it's G-A-U, but it's not. That's fair Oops. enough. I used to okay, fuck okay. Thursday up all the time for some reason. <laughs> and that's Mine's not even like a hard one. I can't spell definitely to save my life. Yeah, autocorrect definitely? saves a lot of lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I just put D-E-F and my phone says definitely. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, thank you. no doubt. Um, I get so frustrated when it's not there. You know what I mean? <laughs> my, phone's a bitch. my phone's a bitch and it will misspell things that I spell correctly. And then I'll <laughs> and I'm like... Get to the duck and show right now. <laughs> I can't tell you. People must think I'm some sort of like uh, big, you know, some some hunter. Like how much I talk about ducks. <laughs> if, if if MySpace was still a thing, who would your top five be? <laughs> top five? What's MySpace? You All remember right, top, the top five people? I do. I thought it was like top nine. I think uh, you could adjust it, to, but dude, yeah, you could. You could have a, yeah. Some people are like thirty-two. I don't even like thirty-two. No doubt. <laughs> I would say the three of you would be on there. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Uh, man. Let's go with uh, Andrew Palace. He's a good dude, and we'll go with Jenny. We'll go with Jen. She puts in a lot there of work. Exactly. Jenny. Uh, what was a subject in school that you actually enjoyed? <sighs> I thought I I'll go to college because I can't remember much of anything before that, but I thought I enjoyed accounting which is what my undergrad major was in. And uh, then I realized I didn't enjoy it. I was just terrified to fail and I studied extra hard. And that's why I got all, that's why I got all A's because I was just mortified to do bad. So, but, yeah. but, but I, at the time, I guess I enjoyed uh, the accounting classes, although I couldn't even do any of that now. Unfortunately. Okay. What was your first car? Eagle vision, a white Eagle vision with a gray bottom. Do you even know what an Eagle Vision is? Nope. I don't, I'm about to look that up because I don't. <laughs> look it up. We'll put look it up, up Jeff. I we'll am keep right going now. Because <laughs> our, our timer came up on us. Uh, how soon is too soon to put up our Christmas decorations? Uh, any December 1st is the earliest you can do it. Okay. No, let's go with Thanksgiving. I go. I do Thanksgiving. Yeah. You can Black do Friday. The Christmas decorations go up in my house. The question is, when do you take them down? See, I, what's too late? Right. I at least go to April, April or May, and then you take them down. <laughs> and after that, you just leave them up for the next year. <laughs> All right. What's a historical event you wish you were at? Shit. Well, when I was in Toronto, I, my my Airbnb overlooked the Sky Dome, and I thought that's where uh, what that Hogan Warrior was there. Is that where that was? I believe yeah. so. And I was like watching it on fucking YouTube and then looking down out of my window to look at the sky dome. I would say yeah, that oh, would be yeah, a big yeah. one. That would be a big one. Hogan Andre would be a huge historical event to be at. So one of those two. What's the best type of cheese? Mm, depends on what you're putting it on. See, our timer's down. We're going to have to extend. Truth. We have to extend this because it's never. we're never going to make it. We're going um, to do a deep cheese conversation. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what you're putting it on. Buffalo chicken sub. That's provolone true. you eating a ham sandwich with some mustard you need swiss uh cheeseburger either pepper jack or american it's really tough that's a tough question pepper but Jack's i think it depends delicious. i love if i'm just like drunk and hitting my fridge late night it's pepper jack yeah, pepper, too, jack, pepper jack or swiss okay do you believe in horoscopes no not at all that's ridiculous okay and the last question yeah. if you were president what's the first thing you'd focus on changing Attendance at IWC. Oh, you know, uh, <laughs> let's go with a neutral answer here. I would focus on making life better for everybody. I like that. Everybody already knows IWC 20 coming this Saturday. Tickets are sold oh, yeah. out. If you're not going to be there, make sure you check it out on the network. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug though, like any social medias or merchandise or? 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, again, tickets are selling out for every event because of our oh. attendance cap. So definitely check mm -hmm. out the IWC network. $9.99 a month, or you could save 20 bucks if you do the year, which we had like six six years subscribe six one-year subscribers tonight for $9.99 for the full year. Um, you're not just getting every live iPay-per-view, you're getting on-demand access just like you would on your TV. Uh, you okay. want to watch any old show on Netflix or this or that. It works just like Netflix. You can see anything from our 20 years previous that you want. You want to see Super Indie 1, you can watch it. You want to see Cage Fury from 2010, you can watch it at a click of a button. $9.99 a month or $99, uh, $99 a year. Period. Also, if you get on Rockstar Dream Magazine, they have a promo code. And if there's any listeners here from the UK right now, uh, we have a Wrestle Crate UK card going out with all their stuff. You could check that out. Just in, the, just in case you're from the UK. Yeah, right. All right, Justin, thank you for coming on, and we hope to have you on again, brother. Oh, yeah. Thank you. See you Saturday. Good night. And always remember, that's...